For over 40 years, Ermi has been an industry leader in educating and informing insurance and risk management professionals. This podcast explores current subjects in the insurance industry. Find out more about our podcast at ermi.com. Hi, I'm Joel Applebaum, Chief Content Officer for Ermi, and I'm so pleased to have as our podcast guest today, Mike Nag, who is the Secretary of Iowa's Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship. And in this podcast, you will learn about some of the agricultural and insurance challenges faced by U.S. states and the plans to mitigate some of those challenges. Welcome, Secretary Nag. Thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you, Joel. It's great to be with you. Awesome. Well, let's get started right away with some questions. Mike, you did an excellent job for us as the welcoming session to our first ever virtual AgriCon. And of course, I want to thank you for that. Uh, the conference turned out to be a huge success and seemed like a lot of our customers really liked it. So um, it was great having you there. And, you know, one of the things I realized is how important your job was and even, you know, astounding to me how much farmland Iowa has. Mm-hmm. So tell me what percentage is actually being farmed now? Well, first of all, I'm glad that the conference went well. You know, uh, in this day and age with virtual and and uh, not being able to meet in person, you never quite know. But I think we're all getting just a little bit better at at connecting and making good use of that that technology. So glad it glad it worked, and I was really thrilled to be able to uh, to kick things off. But you know, yeah, Iowa, it, it, long history, a great tradition of agriculture in our state, and it's really the basis uh, of our of our economy. And, uh, you know, big picture here, we look at and we say we know that Iowa is the second, uh, it ranks second in the country in terms of the value of our food and agriculture products that we uh, that we raise. We're second only to California. And when you look at the size and, uh, of California, the number of people living in the state, I think that surprises people that uh, that Iowa uh, ranks as high as we do. And, and to your, your specific question, a significant percent of Iowa's land is used for agriculture. We really were... I like to say we were very much made for agriculture. 85% of Iowa's land is in ag, and, and we lead the nation in corn production. And we're right at, uh, well, over 13 million acres of corn. And then we're uh, typically second in the nation uh, to Illinois in terms of the, the volume of soybean production. And we're right around 10 million acres of, of soybeans. Wow, that is awesome. So that's some big commodities and also you know, uh, a lot of opportunities for insurance there, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, So, you know, one of the big things you touched on at our conference is um, I was hit pretty hard by that derecho. And for those Mm -hmm. of us who don't hear that term very much, can you explain what a derecho is, how it affected Iowa and all the Midwest, actually, and what are the current state of things as it relates to the derecho now. Yeah, that's a term that that many of us wish we didn't know. Uh, unfortunately, it was it was actually coined in Iowa back in the late 1800s. And so this is not a it's not a new weather phenomenon and and really what it relates to what it describes is a straight line wind. It's you know, we're used to having tornadic uh, uh winds or seeing what that looks like, but this is really a a uh, sustained uh, straight line wind of significant force. And in this particular 
uh, event started in, in it was August 10th, and it started in southern South Dakota, and it went all the way to western Ohio, 770 miles. Uh, and so it cut a, cut a, a, a swath right across the center part of the state of Iowa, um, you know, really the center third. The, the greatest impacted acres were about three and a half to four million acres of corn and uh, two and a half million acres of soybeans. Now, the corn uh, was significantly impacted. The beans, really, other than leaning a little bit, they really recovered uh, quite quite well. And uh, and then we saw significant damage to structures and, and trees and and and. Uh, farm places and, and grain storage. And of course, the communities that were in the path saw significant damage. We estimate that 60 million bushels of commercial grain storage was destroyed and a significant uh, amount was, was damaged and had to be repaired here before harvest. And then roughly an equal amount uh, destroyed on farm. About half of our grain storage in Iowa is on farm and about half of it is, is in the commercial uh, storage facilities. So what's happening today? Well, those those downed crops, those those uh, damaged uh, fields, our uh, folks are still working through uh, their insurance process. Some of those fields have been released and declared a total loss. Uh, you've got millions of acres of damaged corn that will still need to have a harvest attempt, and uh, then they'll settle crop insurance. But really, those are the things that are happening right now as harvest has really kicked into full gear in the state of Iowa. And we're also watching grain quality, uh, really looking at, you know, when that corn is laying down and there's not a lot of airflow around it, uh, we can be concerned about, well, both light light test weight, but also uh, some of the molds that can form. And, and that's obviously problematic for our livestock industry. So those are the types of things that folks are dealing with, along with trying to get those fields prepared for uh, 2021, because of course we're always we're always thinking ahead, uh, hoping, uh, being optimistic for a better year in in 2021. That kind of uh, lends itself to something else you made um, at our our conference, uh, which is also under your domain, and I and I think part of your platform. What is your opinion? In you you know constitutes re responsible land management. I think, you know, do you feel farmers are working towards that? I know that that's part of your responsibility. So help us understand land management better. Uh, you bet. And, you know, I, I like to remind folks, uh, uh, I run the Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship, and that land stewardship is a is a significant part of our mission. And uh, and so here I'm I'm talking about you know, managing for soil health and, and uh, preventing soil erosion and uh, doing all of those things well it can have an impact on improving water quality. And so we're absolutely thinking about those things. You know, in Iowa, uh, we've really been a leader uh, in, in conservation for, for decades. You know, you go back coming out of the Dust Bowl era, um, when, uh, when USDA gets in the business of soil conservation, we had soil and water conservation districts in the state of Iowa that formed. And then Iowa became first in the nation to use state appropriations for soil conservation practice cost share back in the 70s. And then again, we uh, led the Midwest region in implementing our nutrient reduction strategy related to the Gulf of Mexico hypoxia task force. And so we've tried to be proactive and tried to be leaders uh, because, again, as I started with, agriculture is 
the backbone of our Iowa economy. But the core and the foundation of that agriculture is our soil. And if we uh, if we don't pay attention to our natural resources, then we won't be productive and profitable, hopefully, uh, for for years and years to come. So how are we doing this? Well, we're we're working with landowners, and we work in the urban and the rural landscape. I was just last week visited one of our cities and was looking at some of the urban conservation work that they're doing, and that's a great thing that we're seeing all across the state. Um, we've really seen record engagement, uh, whether it's farmers or cities or bringing partners together to work on conservation efforts. I'm really excited about that, and and we're accelerating our adoption. Uh, the other thing I might highlight here is is uh, our involvement, my involvement in the Gulf Hypoxia Task Force. And again, last week, uh, we just uh, participated in the Hypoxia Task Force fall meeting. I'm actually co-chair of that group. Uh, the other co-chair is from EPA, so the federal uh, side and the state side. Uh, I represent 13 states throughout the Mississippi River Basin. And each of those states is doing something similar to what we're doing in Iowa, which is implementing a nutrient reduction strategy. The goal, the overall goal being, we'd like to uh, reduce the size and the scale and the duration of the hypoxic zone in the Gulf of Mexico. You know, what I try to bring to the job here in Iowa and to that role in the task force is that we need to continue to find that, strike that right balance. We need to ensure that we've got um, an agriculture and an economy that can be productive and yet balance that with uh, the need to be uh, more environmentally friendly and to improve our sustainability. And uh, again, we're seeing great, great, great progress. We've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and we appreciate your leadership in that regard. And, you know, here at ERMI, we just released uh, new information on pollution in agribusiness in our subscription material to the Agricultural Risk Insurance Manual. And, you know, it, it really is important that we have the right coverage and we support the right initiatives and make sure people are protected properly to protect our environment. And uh, I know that there's a clean water program in, in Iowa. And can maybe you just touch a little bit more on that for us briefly? Well, and first of all, I appreciate the fact that, that you all are, are pushing forward as you are and, and really putting information out about that. We need more and more partners, trusted advisors to farmers uh, on in their operations to be understanding of what's what 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 the what will the reality is on the ground for our producers, but also then what are the opportunities to incorporate conservation, to build soil health, to care about and, and move the needle on water quality, and to understand that that I believe is really very essential to our ultimately our freedom to operate. And so I think it's important that every partner to our farm community of these things and, and working alongside. Uh, we've got a water quality initiative here in Iowa that really focuses on implementing that strategy to uh, getting practices on the ground that include the types of management practices that farmers do each year, you know, uh, uh, cover crops and, and reduced tillage, no-till, and then structural practices. We go out and build wetlands and saturated buffers and then those traditional practices that we think of, uh, terraces and waterways and buffer strips and all of those things. And uh, we're also pushing forward with a really a, a, an awareness campaign. Uh, we call it Clean Water in Iowa Starts Here. 
just another great example of partners working together, 12 industry groups, grower groups, working together with one of our media partners here in the state to highlight conservation projects. You know, it's one thing for you and I to talk about it. And it's quite another for people to go out and actually make it happen on the ground. It takes a a landowner saying, yes, I'll do this. And uh, what we want to do is be able to introduce people, the public, to those those individuals who are saying yes, they're they're uh, opening their their door, they're they're agreeing to put a practice in, they're changing their operation, uh, and maybe they're using some of our programs to do that, and maybe they're not. Uh, but to be able to introduce people to those individuals who are who are saying yes, I think is very special and, and important. And we know that farmers like to look at to other farmers for their experiences, and it's a great way to uh, spread awareness and to market these practices. I'm just really pleased with the way that we've put together partnerships. We've got great combination of USDA, the Farm Service Agency, NRCS, EPA has been a good partner. We've got our in-state partner, the Department of Natural Resources. And then we're looking to some some new partners, uh, incorporating habitat in our practices, Ducks Unlimited, Nestle Purina, Pheasants Forever. There's of uh, folks that have gotten engaged and helped us to leverage our state dollars with private dollars and do even more work on the landscape. Awesome. I think clean water is really important. So that's, that's, that's very cool. And you, you mentioned partners, um, secretary, the risk management agency announced changes to the multi-parallel crop insurance program for 2020 by allowing hemp coverage in some States at this time, it, it doesn't appear that Iowa is one of the states in the USDA's pilot program. What are your plans for participation in the future? Well, you bet. You know, uh, we've learned a lot about hemp in the last couple of years, and uh, as as have a lot of folks uh, in in states all across the country. And and uh, this year, uh, we do have our first fields uh, that are well now being harvested. And uh, again, we're we're learning some things about that. And and currently, right now, you're correct. Um, the multi-parallel crop insurance is not available because we don't have previous um, crop production history. Um, of course, I would welcome that, and our producers would absolutely welcome uh, risk management tools because, of course, uh, there are so many unknowns, and those folks were impacted by weather just like everybody else this year. So, uh, yeah, we're we're definitely looking at and want to understand better how we can bring um, – crop insurance into play for our producers. And, and you know, again, we're, we're in a lot of ways piloting our program for the first year. We'll learn a lot. Our producers will learn a lot. And uh, we'll come back, make some adjustments, and hopefully be uh, better prepared and, and uh, able to do even more acres next year. I, I do always kind of put a cautionary note here that, you know, this, this is still a, a marketplace that's developing. We know we can grow the product. Um, what What is concerning or I think interesting to me is to see what is the market for ultimately the, the product, the fiber, the oils, uh, that sort of thing. And so I think there's just still a lot of unknowns and anything that can be done to help de-risk that uh, I think is welcomed. Great. We certainly want less stress on our, our, our farmers. <laughs> Agree. One last item I want to ask you about is in your talk at Agricon, it was great to hear that I believe over 90% of the farmers hit by the derecho and, and that had did have crop insurance. Mm-hmm. But we, we hear all too often when claims are made that mistakes 
happened in the placing of insurance or the, the handling of the claim. So, you know, at ERMI, in our uh, agricultural and risk insurance publication, we note several common crop insurance mistakes to avoid, like when buying crop insurance, such as mm-hmm. under or over-reporting planted acreage per unit, harvesting the crop in a manner other than is insured, or destroying the insured crop without the company's approval. So what what impact could mistakes such as these cost farmers? Yeah, you, you, you're spot on, and and you know these these mistakes or, or or things that that don't get executed exactly like you'd like them to uh, are always problematic. But they are especially problematic in years where we really stress the system, right? Where we have literally, you can drive from the western uh, part of the state to the all the way to the to the Mississippi River and and drive for a couple hundred miles and see corn damage the entire way. What that means is you're going to have a lot of folks um, that are going to be uh, using their their crop insurance this year. They're going to be having having a claim that is settled, and so I think it exposes a lot of those things. Well, I think it's just critically important that uh, collectively we understand uh, what the system is and understand our policies. And uh, that's such an important relationship. I think it's been a good reminder this year of how important it is to take the time to sit down and really craft coverage that makes sense for your operation and uh, understands uh, the risk that you're not covering. And uh, those are are important things. So uh, I don't have a an exact solution for all of this other than that it's critically important that uh, that we have these conversations and that we really do uh, try to get it right. But uh, we're absolutely seeing some of those things play out. And we're seeing uh, stressing the system in that uh, uh, we're seeing some inconsistencies in how um, adjust- adjusters are, are treating fields and, and hearing about those things. And so we're working with, you mentioned partnerships, you know, we're working with USDA Risk Management Agency to make sure that they understand those things as they are playing out on the ground. Um, this is a time for more communication, not less. And uh, I think it's just really important that uh, that we uh, take the time to have those conversations heading into uh, to next year. Well said, well said. And if people want to learn more about common crop insurance mistakes to avoid when buying crop insurance, of course, if you subscribe, you can go to ermi.com and find out lots of information. We also have plenty of free information as well as a free newsletter for people who want to sign up. So, Secretary Nag, we want to thank you again for being part of our first ever virtual conference, and it was a huge success, and for spending time today with us to enlighten all of us on all things Iowa and insurance and farming. So thank you so much. Thank you. Great to be with you. Hey, thanks for listening. Go to ermy.com for more information and be sure to subscribe there to Ermy Podcast for more talks like this and to be notified when a new episode is released.